When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. But somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Back Pain Solutions features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better back health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back the smart way. Okay, welcome back to the Back Pain Solutions podcast, everybody, with me, Ben James. And today we've got our special guest, Dr. Ali, all the way from Canada. Dr. Ali was raised in Newmarket, Ontario, and currently resides within the Keswick community. Her love of athletics and passion for health led her to obtaining a Bachelor of Kinesiology from Wilfrid Laurier University. While attending university, she was a member of the varsity women's basketball team and the varsity cross-country team. She went on to pursue graduate studies in sports business management before realizing her true passion was to work hands-on with individuals as a doctor of chiropractic. Throughout her studies, Dr. Ali founded a gym in Newmarket, Ontario, worked as a coach and nutrition consultant, and in 2016, she helped launch Anchor Health and Fitness Center to the Georgina community, a comprehensive facility which features a variety of movement disciplines to satisfy the holistic needs of the human body. In practice, Dr. Ali integrates a combination of diversified chiropractic techniques, myofascial release techniques, rehabilitation exercises, and patient education to provide optimal health and wellness. Dr. Ali has a particular interest in the holistic wellness of her patients, treating both musculoskeletal complaints and addressing specific fitness and nutritional needs to help them live and feel the best they can. After giving birth to her son in 2018, Dr. Ali noticed a huge gap in the healthcare system for postpartum women. Inspired, she founded GROCO, a prenatal and postpartum rehabilitation and education program, and is working to raise the standard of care for postpartum women by helping women strengthen their core, pelvic floor, and total body after pregnancy. Dr. Ali now specializes in prenatal and postpartum chiropractic care, takes a global approach to musculoskeletal health, including strength training for new and expectant mums. So why is the standard of care for women during pregnancy so thorough yet following birth, the expectation is that things should simply revert to normal? And what problems is this creating for women that they don't even realize? Well, we shall find out as we join on the show, Dr. Ali. Dr. Ali, welcome, hello. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. It's, it's wonderful to have connected with you and your team. Yeah, it's great to uh, to be connected. I've been following some of your uh, free video content recently, which has been really insightful and, and interesting, particularly um, given that uh, my wife and I are expecting our second in three weeks. Woo-hoo. And uh, yeah, we've uh, we've got one daughter who is two in April. And uh, over the last year, she, bless her, has been in a in a spiker cast. So she, <sighs> she's had hip complaints. So we're getting used to the whole children thing. But it's 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 really struck me watching uh, your video content and listen to your information. Just uh, when I reflect on that and my my wife's kind of experiences, the, the kind of the approach to um, pregnancy and the support and all of that is so, so good. Not necessarily focused on musculoskeletal health, I have to say, but certainly postpartum, it's kind of like, here's a baby, off you go. 
And uh, what you what are your what are your thoughts on that? What what, what problems are you creating? You know, and that's that's exactly correct. Throughout your pregnancy, you have scheduled appointments. You have an army of medical professionals taking care of you. Once you've birthed your baby, that baby then undergoes a regular set of checkups throughout the first year of their life and really throughout their their entire childhood. Once mom has given birth, there's not much beyond here's a peri bottle to go home, <laughs> come back in six weeks. You know, if you're bleeding more than you think that you should be, give me a call. And the fact of the matter is, is that there is no healthcare system for the postnatal woman. And birth, and there's a variety of ways that a woman can give birth, whether vaginally with no complications, a lot of tearing, an episiotomy, or a C-section. And all of those can be really looked at when we look at the human body, as you and I do, as a form of injury. And so the problem is, is that any other part of the body, if a patient came to you and said, I sprained my ankle, or I tore my rotator cuff, we have great tests tools, protocols, and, and treatment plans for those injuries. When it comes to the postnatal woman, we're not looking beyond infection. And we're not looking beyond the depression scale, at least here in Canada. That's really what the six-week checkup is. And then mm -hmm. the woman is truly on her own as mm -hmm. she navigates. And, and, and to go even further there, when somebody does sprain an ankle bend, People understand you might use crutches. People are going to hold the door for you. People are going to go and run your errands for you. But when you give birth, you're home and you're navigating this massive transition, transformation. You're taking care of a newborn. You're mm -hmm. struggling with sleep and eating and hydration and feeding and all of the challenges that come with being new parents and a new mom. And so that affects your healing too. And so we look at this postpartum time in the fourth trimester, which I'll call the first 12 weeks after you've given birth, but postpartum is forever. And so women are coming to me, whether they're in that fourth trimester, first year postpartum, or even decades after they've given birth with debilitating injuries, back pain, peeing their pants when they cough, laugh, or sneeze, um, even plantar fasciitis, which we can get into later, stemming back to issues that they um, sustained during pregnancy and childbirth in postpartum that are not being looked at or addressed. And so that's really what my mission is, is to call attention to the fact that we need to provide better rehabilitation for women in this postpartum period to allow them to feel as good as possible now, but for the rest of their life. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great, um, it's a great focus and ambition, isn't it? To, to, to make that change because it, it clearly from because I look back in practice and I think god that there, there are women when I first graduated and I look back now as you do as you reflect in practice and I think god what what was you know what was causing their issue and could it have been related to the, you know exactly as you're discussing there this kind of postpartum issues that that for whatever reason seem to be completely gone under the radar why do you think it is that this is just not been a a focus or is not more high profile before I believe that the focus of the medical system, at least here in Canada, in my experience, is centered around making sure that women and baby survive, right? That is the yeah. job of the OB. That's the job of the, of the labor and delivery nurses and the midwives. 
And that is their scope. That's where they've been trained and they are brilliant at doing that. Thank mm -hmm. goodness that they yeah. are in that zone of genius. Then after baby is born, of course, our attention turns to baby. And mom has just been forgotten about because realistically for those medical professionals, as long as mom doesn't have an infection, isn't at risk of a postpartum hemorrhage, she will be okay, right? When it comes to life-saving techniques, she will be okay. It's mm -hmm. just that nobody until GROCO was founded filled that gap to address the common musculoskeletal complaints that come. And in fact, they've really just been under the scope of, of the diagnosis of, of motherhood. Well, you, you, you're peeing your pants when you laugh. Well, you know what? You had a baby. It was your choice. It's just the price that you're going to pay. Yeah. And it's me and my team standing up and saying, well, no, there's plenty of things that you can do. We just look at basic tissue healing science and you know basic progressive overload or training techniques. We can do a variety of things to improve and in most cases, fix and resolve these, these common but not normal complaints. Yeah. And I suppose one of the big problems with it is that, I mean, certainly from, from my experience with my wife, and obviously this is an individual thing, but she's very, she's just get on with it, you know, and, and many women that have children, it's, it's baby becomes the focus, obviously. And suddenly they don't, they don't complain about these things. Well, I'll just put up with it. And then of course, there's the beliefs around the incontinence and it's just normal. And so it's, I guess, a lot of the role for you is with with Groco is changing changing those beliefs and an education first of all to to inform and challenge people that actually this isn't normal, doesn't have to be normal, and shouldn't be shouldn't be something you just put up with. There, there's solutions here. Mm -hmm. Changing the narrative around postpartum healthcare and saying that there is so much that you can do to feel good, strong, confident, and empowered in your body after baby. You don't just have to accept this as part of your life now. And, and that's really the main focus right now is changing the narrative and letting women know, giving them permission to say, hey, I want to take care of me too right? Yeah. A healthy baby matters, of course, but so does a healthy mother. And in fact, many women are the nucleus of the family. And if they're not well, it's going to stem and creep into every other aspect of the family life. So if we can keep the mother well, we will keep the entire family well in addition. Yeah, because of course, it's not just the physical, is it? It's the, it's the mental and it's the confidence and it's the, it's all of those things that go with these physical kind of issues and problems that are experienced that actually impacts mental health and then like you say the impact that has on baby and on family and etc etc it's well, it's far-reaching definitely so if so if a woman we'll get into some of the clinical stuff here if a woman has abdominal separation which happens in 100 percent of pregnancies right yeah. that's a normal part of pregnancy sure. She gives birth and that abdominal separation is going to stay there. But if it doesn't heal, it's likely going to lend itself to low back pain. And if nothing is done about it and we just live with it and we're lifting babies and we're getting back to everyday life, soon that back pain starts to make mom have to, to take herself out of the things that she loves to do. The the day-to-day the -day activities start to become that much more demanding because of the low back pain she is suffering. And so if we can just identify that, heal it with a proper core treatment plan, we can prevent or fix that 
that part, that aspect of her life from occurring and she can have more joy. She can enjoy more things. She can get back into all of those um, physical activities that we know lend itself to mental, mental, physical, emotional, and total body health. Yeah, absolutely. And of, and of course, baby comes along and, and, you know, in contrast to say someone that doesn't have children or guys who, you know, living by themselves, not partner, no, no babies around. And, you know, you've got an acute back issue. And sometimes we say, right, we've got to avoid those activities. The, the kind of aggravating factors, first of all, let's do that first of all, in part of your, as part of your management plan. And then we do X, Y, and Z. You can't stop lifting baby all of a sudden. So actually then it compounds the issue because then we're having to do these things that, that are not necessarily healthy for the back because Mm -hmm. that stability is not there. And then chronic further additional problems that we that we see as a result so yeah, yeah that's absolutely right and, and so what what sort of um in, in your experience uh ali what sort of percentages are we talking about in, in terms of women that obviously there's there's C- c-section and there's different um different ways that babies delivered but in terms of an average of of postpartum women that probably have issues there whether they really experience back pain or not would you say it's kind of a hundred percent of them could benefit from a, a, a kind of course of exercise treatment plan, et cetera, et cetera? A hundred percent of, of course. So when you're pregnant, your uterus goes from two ounces to two pounds, your pelvic floor musculature, which is muscles, just like any other muscles in your body have to support that rapid shift. So within nine plus months, that amount of growth, the volume, the abdominal contents grows so substantially. And then in a flash, well, maybe depending on the labor, you've given birth and your body starts to shift anatomically once again. That is a lot for somebody to go through in a very short period of time. So I believe every birthing person should have an assessment, which includes palpation of their abdominal musculature, their glute musculature, looking at their postural muscles as well. And and as you know, from having kids, like sitting and feeding baby can be really hard on the shoulders and the neck. So a full body assessment to identify at the very least a baseline. So a baseline of where mom is at within that first six weeks and then how monitoring how she heals over the course of that first year, similar to the way that your baby has those regular checkups that they're going in and making sure they're hitting their milestones. Coming back to diastasis recti or abdominal separation, if a patient comes into me within those first six weeks postpartum, they're likely going to still have a diastasis and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But if they're now coming in at three months postpartum and that hasn't healed six months, 12 months, then we know that there is core dysfunction going on and core dysfunction being a whole myriad of things that we need to then Mm -hmm. determine, right? Diastasis recti is a symptom of core dysfunction. It alerts the practitioner and the mom that something isn't right. Let's do a deep dive and figure out. So definitely anybody would benefit from a very specific postnatal core pelvic floor and total body program unique to them based off of metrics like how they birthed, um, how they're healing, any other comorbidities or underlying conditions as well. Sure. And and I guess the follow up question to that is. Would uh, w- would women benefit from it? Could we get we we always kind of discuss getting fit for sport rather than using sport to get fit. And mm-hmm. in a kind of similar way, we want to almost prepare 
for women for pregnancy and that would surely be a beneficial thing is that something that you've you've found as has impacted the postpartum in those women that have kind of undertaken and been proactive in taking that approach so Yes and no. And I'll give you the spectrum of the answer. So absolutely having a higher degree of cardiorespiratory fitness, having a higher amount of muscle mass on your body is going to lend itself to having a better buffer in that postpartum period and also having the endurance throughout childbirth. That being said, there's been some studies done in this in this one study that uh, is called to me uh, was focused on CrossFit athletes, and they actually mm-hmm. determined they looked at CrossFit athletes and sedentary women, and there was no difference in their pelvic floor strength. So what mm-hmm. that study concluded was that you need a dedicated pelvic floor strengthening program, which as an athlete myself, I was like, oh, darn, all that work I've been putting in for years and years didn't lend itself to an improved pelvic floor. But as I alluded to earlier, your pelvic floor has been through a lot. Just because you're a high level athlete doesn't mean that you're not susceptible to an ACL injury. That being said, when we look at overall health and we look at health, say on a spectrum with sickness over here, wellness in the middle and fitness on the one end. We want to push people as far away from sickness as possible, right? So the more we push the needle towards fitness, the better buffer we're going to have. And in that postpartum period, Ben, if you are as fit as can be, and now you're navigating sleep deprivation and healing from childbirth, you're going to fall to wellness, right? You're going to be well. But if you were only well, or, or worse, you were you were sick and you didn't take care of yourself um, in that prenatal period. You are going to experience more detrimental things during that postpartum period because you're going to mm-hmm. fall towards sickness. So that's why we definitely want to focus on having mom train for birth, being as strong as possible. But then also say the postpartum period is really, really critical that we are employing the right dose of movement for you. Yeah, it's it's not just a generic. It's uh, it's got to be an individualized approach. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting what you say about the CrossFit, actually, because I, I would say there's an argument that that everybody, whether male or female, pregnant, you know, pregnant or non-pregnant, could almost benefit from that pre-conditioning work ready for CrossFit. There seems to be a lot of sedentary people going into CrossFit as the solution, but actually, you know, even for men, I guess, you know, pelvic floor is important because there's a lot of heavy lifting in yeah. uh, uh, in crossfit that maybe we're not conditioned already for and so actually taking a step back and conditioning first and being patient and progressive with the with the exercise plan and yeah. then go and do crossfit makes kind of makes sense and 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 taking that extrapolating it and putting it into the postpartum time and here's one of the main issues ben that i see because we're just starting to talk about postnatal rehabilitation. Oftentimes, after women are given that six-week clearance, which once again, to be very clear, it's a clearance of no infection, no postpartum hemorrhage, and you've passed this postnatal depression scale, the first people they're often going to see is their coach. So you might have a woman who gave birth six weeks ago, had significant tearing through the perineum, going to see their CrossFit coach and having no guidance and the coaches of course aren't educated in, in, in this area and just getting back to fitness. And that is an improper dose an improper volume and improper intensity. So we want to employ this postnatal rehab, this preconditioning, like you said, to empower them to get back to whatever their favorite fitness class is with a really good baseline so that they can 
progressively grow without um, sustaining any more injuries. Because that's that's the biggest thing is is that if they're doing too much, too soon, too fast, just like any other injury in the body, they're more susceptible. Yeah, and, and naturally, for a, for a lot of women, they you know once they've given birth, they're like, right, I want to I want to get back my kind of. Mm-hmm. There's a self esteem thing. There's a confidence thing. I want to get my body back. So right, I'm going to just start running, and actually. Mm-hmm. That, that that in itself great and proactive but could be a problem and it's kind of yeah getting that getting that balance right isn't it yeah and i definitely never want to tell somebody not to do something because right. i value physical activity so much but in the right dose and so we know with running running is a really good example it's an impact exercise so if you have just given birth and let's say you're still holding excess weight like every single woman is going to after she's given birth she goes out to run. She goes out to run on a core that is not fully rehabilitated. So muscle fibers are torn. She goes out to run with a pelvic floor that has muscle fibers that have not fully healed. Every step she takes, she's putting one and a half to two and a half times her body weight through her body in a core that is not ready, doesn't have the prerequisites to handle that load. She is doing more damage as good as it might feel to run and and with the goals of feeling good and empowered in her skin, she's actually going to make things worse. And it won't be long before the pain increases. She can't run and she's worse off in terms of her her musculoskeletal health than she was when she gave birth. So we like to look at the, the soonest that somebody is getting back to any type of impact exercise is a minimum of three months postpartum. And that would be yeah. if you had a vaginal birth with no tearing at all, no stitches, you healed very well, minimal bleeding, like bleeding dropped off at, at four or five weeks postpartum, then we'll start you back gradually, right? It's not going out for that 5k run continuously. You're going to start and see what 500 meters feels like, or you're going to go out and you're going to see what one minute feels like, because it's likely that you're going to wake up the next day and feel like you got hit by a truck because your body is still healing. Now, when we look at birth methods like a C-section, which is major abdominal surgery, it's an incision through seven layers of your abdomen right down Mm -hmm. to your uterus and, um, or significant tearing, like an episiotomy, which is a surgical incision, Ben, from vagina to anus or significant tearing where women are having hundreds and hundreds of stitches, hundreds of stitches. Um, we're not getting them back to impact exercise until closer to six months postpartum. And, and we have to make sure they've undergone that proper rehabilitative program, but prior to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the way that your kind of business works, you, do you have kind of a gym element that, that people can pay a membership to go into the gym? And the reason I ask that is I'm interested that any women that, that are kind of members, let's say, and fairly independent in that gym setting, do you kind of try and stop them prevent them how do you balance that just in terms of look guys too much too soon let's take a step back that must be great uh, great question so the gym aspect of anchor is all class-based so every single person who is a member comes in and does a class with a coach you better believe that all of my coaches know that as soon as a woman announces her pregnancy that they're coming to see me whether it's a conversation or booking an appointment and and i would say 99 percent of our members understand and 
and have been influenced by what I talk yeah. about, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So they're coming to see me and not only am I taking care of them through that prenatal period, but I'm also educating them on things that they should be doing. And the next part about it being class-based is that we have a daily workout. So I know exactly what's on the menu for that day's workout. And I can say, okay, Allie, today there's box jumps, but you're 34 weeks pregnant. And you said to me that when you cough, you're peeing your pants. So we're going to modify those to a lower box setup. But if you step up, but if you feel this, this, and this, then you need to change it right away to squats. And so they're being guided and empowered. I'm not saying, hey, you're pregnant, you're fragile, don't do anything. I'm saying do this, but do it with a smart approach. And then because within Anchor, they've been under my care throughout their the prenatal period, they're well aware of when they need to be seeing me after they've given birth. And, and we're a, a smaller community. So usually I'll see on the Instagram, oh, baby's arrived. So I'll reach out to them to make sure that they know I'm here to support them. Um, right. And then the second part to, to answer your question is we run group-based rehabilitative program. Okay. So... I wanted to reduce the barrier to care and in one-on-one -on -one care, as you know, it's expensive. And luckily here, a lot of people have access to, to a nice bonus from their company. They have their benefits plan, but if they're on that leave, uh, their, their finances have shifted a little bit. So what we do is they'll come in for their initial postnatal assessment. So I can look at their entire body, build their program, but I'll lead, um, twice a week for an hour, an entire postnatal rehabilitation program. So it's at a fraction of the cost because we have between you know, four, eight, 10 people in these programs, all in this fourth trimester or fourth year postpartum. And we're, we're providing the rehabilitation under the care of either myself or one of my other postnatal doctors. And women can come in and not only rehabilitate, but rehabilitate properly because we're showing them how to do it. They're getting the time, and this is pre-COVID, but to connect with other yeah. women going through the same thing. So we've really addressed the the holistic approach to postnatal wellness by doing this. Mm. And we have had fantastic results because our patients know, okay, I need to go do GroCo for one or two sessions, four to eight weeks before I'm going back to my Pilates class, my yoga class, my CrossFit class, my spinning, because I need to build the foundation. So it's been a really wonderful addition to our methodology at Anchor. Yeah. And, and really with how we work is um, we now have, have healthcare practitioners who are doing this around the world as well. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. And I think, like you say, the, the, the great side of that is the, the community element as well, because that's the other that's the other side of it. That's, you know, about having having children there's there's no course you go on beforehand and it's like here's baby and how do i how do i keep keep this child alive and it's quite isolating if um if if partners going back to work fairly quickly and particularly in this environment it's you know that is challenging obviously which is which is a difficult thing to manage but that community aspect and again back to the mental health it, it, it's all a package isn't it of wellness and health and support right not again just the just the physical so mm -hmm. i think that's a that, that that's a great um that's a great approach to give it to give the access to people which is fantastic so back to you talked about the the abdominal separation that that like you say is happening with every everyone because uh, again i've i've heard um in the gym and, and places uh women talking about diastasis recti and oh you know will that happen to me will it not and it will because 
you've got this baby growing inside you. It's going to happen. How how much how many of how many women that that you see or have you have you seen any research in terms of percentages of of that being a problem for a longer period of time for 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 certain women and why why is why is that for some and not others I guess. So within my own practice, I would say 50% of women resolve within the first month in okay. terms of just the, the diastasis, which is just yep. one aspect, right? So, sure. so having a diastasis, yes or no, doesn't, doesn't, um, doesn't mean there aren't other issues going on, but it's mm-hmm. a really apparent clue. And it's also something that a woman can do at home, especially as we record this in, in here in Canada, in Ontario specifically, we're locked down. I'm mm-hmm. empowering women who don't feel comfortable coming to the clinic to do it themselves so that we can determine what the next steps need to be. So 50% are resolving within the time frame that for me is, is eight weeks postpartum. I want to see it back to medically normal, which medically normal is 2.7 centimeters, but it's, it's difficult to to measure so we just do mm-hmm. less than two finger breaths mm-hmm. um, not only the width but also the depth the other 50 percent are not resolving so for me and my colleagues we need to put on our little detective hats and be like uh, figure out okay we know diastasis is uh, a symptom of core dysfunction it's typically due to improperly managed intra-abdominal pressure so then we look at breathing mechanics. Then we look at postural complaints. Are they locked in an anterior pelvic tilt or a posterior pelvic tilt? Uh, Did they have a traumatic birth where they did have major abdominal surgery as a C-section or an episiotomy or significant tearing? And are those, is that scar tissue or the adhesions that are forming there causing a reduced mobility through somewhere in their body and therefore their core hasn't healed appropriately? There's all sorts of different things that we need to be looking at. Um, And typically, I would say out of that 50% of of women who come in and their diastasis isn't healing properly, I'd say 40% of them, so most of them, we are able to heal within a 12-week program. The other subset have other issues going on where we're looking at perhaps sending them to uh, for a surgical consult. But, But again, we want to look at the overall function. So some people can have a functional diastasis and I'm called uh, with a patient who's given me permission to share this but 10 years postpartum came in she'd been doing a deadlift in the gym injured her low back and we found a substantial diastasis recti we healed her core we resolved the pain it's now been four or five years she still has a large gap but it's functional she can engage her deep core her transverse abdominis she can engage and she has really really strong like 360 degrees of her core so again in in that particular case we weren't necessarily worried about closing the gap we were more concerned about a reducing pain and then b improving function Okay, sure, and and so a good question, I guess, on uh, as a follow up to that, if if someone has got a a, a diastasis that that is years, as you know, as in this case, if the function's okay, we're not worried about the the you know that separation, but can you get that separation back after all that time? Yeah, in, in many cases, I have had uh, a number of clients who come in in their fifties. Um, so their their youngest child is 23 years old. So they're 23 years postpartum. They have had a diastasis for over two decades. And in one particular case, and once again, permission to share this, um, her low back pain was so 
significant. I'll back up. She was a high level athlete. She was a varsity. She ran for her university as a track and field athlete. Part of her family dynamic was going for hikes and they loved being outside. And once she hit menopause, it all fell apart. Her low back pain was so debilitating that she actually had to take a leave of absence for her work. Her relationship suffered because now her pelvic, her pelvic floor, um, there was so much pain when she was having intercourse. So every aspect of mm -hmm. her, of her life was impacted. And I was her last resort. She had gone to medical doctors and she had gone to physiotherapists and not one person had performed a diastasis recti check. So we did, and she had a significant diastasis, which I knew based on her low back pain, based on the fact that all of these symptoms had come up right around menopause where a drop in estrogen causes a laxity of a lot of ligaments. Um, I said to her, it's going to be more challenging because it's been over two decades that you've had mm -hmm. this diastasis, but let's try. Give me 12 weeks. Let's see what we can do. And within 12 weeks, she had improved. Like you could just see it when she came in to see me. Her eyes were brighter. I got for, I went for a walk around the block with no pain, Dr. Allie. Uh, six or seven weeks into, into treatment, I think I'm going to go back and try a really low impact uh, workout class at my favorite gym just to see what happens. Oh, I did it with no pain. And I saw over the course of these three months of working together how she felt empowered by taking control of her health and having an answer as to why she had felt like that for so long. And in her particular case, yes, we did see it close. It didn't go back to what we looked for, as I, as I mentioned, medically normal, but we saw a significant closure in that gap. And best of all, zero back pain, improved function of her pelvic floor and her ability to re-engage with all of those aspects of life that, that she had had to take herself out of. So yeah, that for me, yeah, it is amazing, right? When, yeah. And when you see the impact that this mm -hmm. lack of, of doing what I'll call a simple check, like if we could yeah. just check all of our moms and, and monitor them in that first year postpartum, we would ward off so many of these debilitating issues that crop up later in life. And the fact is, Ben, like what we can get away with in our 20s and our 30s yeah. as we age, if we're not an active participant in our health care, meaning that we're warding off age related muscle mass loss, sarcopenia, it will come back to bite us in, in the butt. So yeah. that's what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do by changing the narrative is say, yes, I know you don't want to picture yourself as a little old lady in your 50s with pelvic organ prolapse. But let's talk about right now getting your core strong and feeling good and getting rid of the mom pooch. And I know that by doing that, that you will be less likely to have these severe quality of life impacting uh, complaints later on in, later on in life. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it, it, it's again, back to the education and understanding and then taking that as an individual proactive approach to, to your health postpartum even that's a long way down the road because i'm guessing i know the answer that i'm going to get from this question any any woman that comes to see you that's you know of any age that comes to see you with back problems i'm assuming you're going to do those those checks and look at that particularly obviously if they've had had children of those individuals that come to you with back pain that maybe are are you know have given birth even 10 20 years previously are you seeing a lot of those even at that point a lot of the a big percentage of those people there's some kind of issue there that uh 
that is kind of pelvic floor or you know pregnancy related as it were sorry ben multiple issue there so um no am i seeing issues in the majority of women who are giving who have given birth and coming to me later in life ah i'd say once again like 50% of okay. people and, and 50 not, but I'm educating them because if you've given birth, I want to know your birth method because we know mm -hmm. that if there has been significant tearing or an episiotomy that you are more likely to have pelvic organ prolapse. So if a patient comes in and I don't think that their low back pain is uh, the root cause can be linked back to their pregnancy and giving birth, I'm still going to say to them, if you feel these common complaints, so like a heaviness in your pelvic floor or your incontinence gets worse over the next four or five years, that is an indication of pelvic organ prolapse, which is when your uterus, your bladder, your rectum start to travel down in the vaginal canal and, and in some mm -hmm. cases actually protrude. And so I want you to come see me because there's things that we can do. And in fact, if you if you can think back and you've had any of those symptoms, we should get started ahead of the game right now because we know that after menopause that there's a higher likely likelihood of pelvic organ prolapse. So while not every single person that comes in, we're going to you know attribute it to an issue in postpartum, we're certainly going to educate because mm -hmm. even if that patient that I give that spiel to doesn't have that, if she's talking to her sister or a friend or a colleague and they mention those symptoms, now she is empowered to tell them that there is things that they can do. And that's how we change the narrative, Ben. It's by coming on podcasts like this and sharing information and empowering women to step up and say, okay, this doesn't feel good. I don't feel normal. What can I do? Where can I go? And now they know, okay, you can go to GroCo. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's no, there's no negative uh, impact of working on a pelvic floor that, that, that isn't necessarily a, a primary cause of, uh, you know, of a back problem or anything else, you know, because it, it's part of the core. People see the, the abdominal wall or the, the, the kind of six pack. That's my, that's my core. But actually, no, guys, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, and we talk about the, the inner unit. And one of the big pieces that we can see in any patient, male, female, postpartum, no children, is especially with, with work from home, which I know a lot of people mm -hmm. are likely doing right now, is if your posture is impact, impacted, so too is your pelvic floor because your diaphragm and your pelvic floor have this beautiful synergistic relationship. And so we often think that, okay, if you've given birth, your pelvic floor is probably too, too loose, but that's not always the case. And in fact, in the majority of people who have incontinence issues, so they're peeing when they laugh or cough or sneeze, they often will have a pelvic floor that is too tight. And this stems in many cases to the fact that they're not getting a full breath cycle because they're breathing up here in their chest. Mm -hmm. They probably have an upper cross type um, syndrome as well. And so with every inhalation, when the pelvic floor, or when the diaphragm rather moves down, the pelvic floor has to stretch. And then as you exhale and the diaphragm moves back up, it has to contract slightly. So we want that proper stretch and contract cycle with every single breath for a proper, healthy, functional pelvic floor. But in a lot of cases, people aren't getting that. And so they're they're contributing to uh, a, a worsening or a less functional pelvic floor over the course of their lifetime by not doing work to it. And again, that's male or female because males yeah. can have a diastasis too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was going to say that, that that's a, 
know, another common misconception that this is just, you know, female predominant. Um, mm -hmm. So for the, for the people listening for particularly, um, those those women that have, uh, have have given birth recently what are the things that they can do themselves as a bit of a self kind of test is there anything they can do from a checking diastasis themselves at whatever that period of time postpartum and and the, the kind of breathing mechanics that you talk a lot about what are the things that they can do to kind of assess that or kind of do a bit of a self-assessment i guess just to get a bit of baseline a bit of insight Okay, so so two pieces, and this is a podcast, so I can't show you. So sure. if they can head to to Instagram at groco.rehab, I have a few posts on how to do a self-diastasis recti check. It's it's simple in the sense that you lie down, you go into a bit of a crunch, so you lift your head off the ground and you feel down the midline of your core. And I guide you through what you should be looking for. But in a sense, if you can sink down and you can fit two or more fingers in the gap in the midline, that is a clue that you should go find somebody who is trained in diastasis recti checks or is a postnatal specialist practitioner and get a further investigation done. The second thing you can do, and if whether you're family planning, if you're expecting, if you've given birth, is I want you to learn how to breathe properly. Because if you can engage your deep core and your pelvic floor um, and reestablish that neurological connection, that is shifted throughout pregnancy because of the, the massive changes that occur anatomically and neuro neurologically, then you'll be better served to actually strengthen those muscles when time comes, if, if that's what is, is needed in that case. So a proper deep breath is the belly actually expanding out as you inhale, the pelvic floor actually relaxing. And the cue I use, because you're not really thinking about your pelvic floor when you're breathing, right? We're just, we're just sure. breathing each and every day. But a, 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 a cue that I use, so for people listening right now, you might laugh, but I think for a lot of people, it really helps to imagine a flower actually blooming through their vagina as they take a deep breath in to relax the pelvic floor. And when you get good at it, you can feel it. So deep breath in, everything relaxes, flower blooms. Exhale. And then we want to actually lift up through the pelvic floor and in through the deep core. And so it, it, it sounds simple, but this is often the most difficult piece to postnatal rehab. And without mastering that component, any other core exercise that you do, a dead bug, a bird dog, a side plank, is not going to be as effective. So we need to establish that neurological control over our deep core, our TVA, and our pelvic floor before we do anything. So like anything, if you haven't ever thought about your breathing mechanics or somebody has said, hey, I think that you're not actually uh, breathing properly, you should improve your breath mechanics, you got to do the reps, you got to do the work, just like training yeah. your bicep, the more the more you do it on a dedicated program, the better you're going to do it. And it has to be conscious at first for it to then become part of your normal day to day. Yeah, I often talk to patients about making the conscious subconscious, and it's mm -hmm. you only get that through practice. But but it's interesting because from a from a spine stability, spine health point of view, I talk a lot to patients about uh, you know control of, of of breathing and being able to control that core because invariably a lot of patients I see a good percentage, and we're not talking just postpartum women here. We're we're talking everybody struggle with that, and there's there's no doubt. And I'm guessing mm -hmm. from a uh, from a women with 
uh, postpartum that are, are, are struggling with the breathing letting go and relaxing is is probably one of those big challenges because they're so fearful of letting it go because of the concerns about incontinence i'm guessing yeah you've you've got it then and also it's a stressful it's a stressful time and if you're mm. you're not thinking about yourself especially in those first few months postpartum where you're just trying to survive and your your focus is on baby so while we have grow call the in-person sessions what I just talked about, the deep core and the pelvic floor work, it is something that you can do while you're holding baby, while you're brushing your teeth. Yes. And it's going to have a massive impact on your overall health and healing, which is nice because most most new moms don't have 10, 30, 60 minutes to grab for themselves. And even just the thought mm -hmm. of, okay, baby's asleep. I want to have a nap too. Sure. Okay, go lie in bed, do three deep belly breaths. And then have your and then have your nap and know that you've done you put in the reps to make the yeah. improvement. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Yeah, you got absolutely. it. <laughs> absolutely. So, check di for diastasis. Breathing's a key thing. Where 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 do you go from there? Where Next do you go step. from there? So once you've established and, and and really mastered that foundation, the key exercises that I like to do have to do with um, targeting the the TBA. So my favorite exercise is the dead bug. And it's the dead bug because we can progress it so well and see amazing results. And the first thing, and again, if you're listening and you've recently given birth, just lying on your back with your hands and legs in the air and trying to do those deep diaphragmatic breaths, it's going to be challenging. You'll likely see a shake to your core because once again, we're just in this in this process of reestablishing neurological connection and healing those muscle fibers. Once you can do that without once you can do that and show me really good core stability. So that means no shifting of the ribs or the hips or lifting of the low back in that position. Then we start to move the limbs, whether it's just the legs, just the arms or both. And we do that in a contralateral motion. So the opposite leg and the opposite arm. And the goal of this then is to challenge the core. So I don't care how far you can move your leg or your arm. Mm -hmm. I care that you can show me true core stability and control. And so that would be my absolute number one favorite exercise to do for the majority of people because we're linking the breath with every single rep and then we're challenging core and pelvic floor. So we're really hitting it from all angles. And quite honestly, if you only focused on doing the dead bug exercise for, for the first 12 weeks, you would see massive improvements. And, and even extrapolating that exercise and the, and the inner core unit focus if you had your Olympic weightlifters or your runners or really any high level athlete actually do a dedicated core program that focused on the deep core pelvic floor inner core unit, you would see massive results because as we know, that's your power transfer mm -hmm. zone. That's how you, you transfer load through the body before you even lift your arm. Like let's say you're serving a volleyball or you're playing tennis, your yeah. TVA is bracing, pre-activating before you do that motion. Yeah. And so you can see how if you don't have a proper functioning deep core, how everything is going to be compromised. And, and similarly, how if you have an awesome functioning deep core, that everything is going to feel better, you're going to look better, and you're going to perform better as well. Yeah, it's interesting that that kind of core 
core stiffness, core stability, distal kind of mobility, distal performance. And it, it just uh, relaying a case that, that I've been seeing a guy with a tennis elbow, but he's generating all his power just it's all through the arm. It's all through the arm. Yeah. It's, we, we've talked a lot about get that core right, get that shoulder stability right. It's that kind of kinematic chain that now you're going to be better off from a technique and a power point of view, but your elbow is going to be healthier, you know, and it's it, 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 exactly it, again, you know, it's it, that core is just so important and it's so undervalued, under, under focused, I guess, other than the classic sit-ups that people do that they've been sitting in a chair all day and then they go to the gym and do sit-ups and you know precisely you've painted such a great picture where you as an astute clinician figured out that okay yes your elbow hurts okay let's look at your shoulder okay let's look at your core and you've been able to properly rehabilitate this elbow tendonitis patient because you did a full comprehensive analysis and so what we're doing with postnatal rehabilitation is that reinventing the wheel there's no magic to this we're just saying hey let's look at women who have given birth like we look at any other patient that comes through our doors knowing that they've been through this event and do a full assessment and prescribe proper rehab it really comes down to just basic tissue healing science having a keen eye as a clinician and and the prescription of rehabilitation and not just chalking up issues that women experience after they've given birth to the inevitable inevitable side effects of having of having children yeah absolutely and i think the other the other part of the the job that for me is so important it's not just the like you said the exercise prescription it's the coaching around it you know they're the just doing a dead bug or a bird dog that's no good if you're not doing if the form's not right and and often people just yeah i've done the repetitions but the the quality is is poor it's not about the reps it's the quality of movement and i think that's it that's so so important as well you are absolutely correct and it is why we don't just write three sets of five dead bugs go home and do this to a new mom because we know she's not going to do it and we know she's likely not going to do it properly so mm -hmm. the implementation mm -hmm. of group-based rehabilitation yeah. make, makes me and i feel so lucky as a clinician i could have my eyes on my patient i can make sure mm -hmm. she's doing it and doing it properly and it is so empowering for mom to know that she's doing it right because how often have you heard if you have prescribed to a patient go home and do this exercise oh i didn't get to it or i don't know if i was doing it right so this really solves both of those problems and really the overarching problem which is that women aren't getting the the, the care that they need yeah absolutely absolutely and i think i think that's a really not just from a postpartum uh, women point of view but from an accessibility for 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 a lot of people suffering from back pain whether they're athletes or whether they're just you know office workers that don't go to the gym that that kind of um evolution of 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 care from passive hands-on with a few exercises but almost you know looking at the group the that kind of hybrid model you've got that gets people not just out of pain but functioning better, performing better, and and far more resilient, and I, I think confident with it. Um, I think that really is the pinnacle of of where where practice needs to go from from a personal point of view. So it's 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 great that you've got the uh, it's great that you've got that that kind of system and setup in place. But I guess the unfortunate thing is not everybody's got a a doctor alley on the doorstep from a postpartum uh, women point of view. So tell us a little bit more 
about Groco and and the kind of community and the pro professional network you're developing there? Well, I can't raise the standard of postnatal care by myself. And sure. I also recognized, and you may have found this too in, in your education, that this really isn't taught to clinicians. We're not no. taught more than to ask our postnatal patients, did you have your six-week clearance? And then we go about things within our within our scope of education. And so I guess three years ago now, I launched the GroCo Health Professional Seminar so that I could teach other health professionals, chiropractors, physiotherapists, RMTs, osteopaths, etc., what they should be looking for, what we needed to do as a collective to raise the standard of care postpartum and get better outcomes. And I mean, something as simple as we've talked about, Ben, as adding a diastasis recti check, which in my education, my almost a decade of studying the human body intensely, I was never taught that by, in a formal mm. setting. Mm. So that's what we have done. And then I invite any healthcare professional who has completed the seminar to join me as what I call an ambassador. And so they use the GroCo name, but they run group-based rehabilitation for postnatal women, whether in person or virtually now, um, for their patients so that we can provide access. Because I was having people drive to me from hours and hours away, and I was flattered. Thank you for thinking of me, but we have to find somebody within you know your region that you can go and see and that has satisfied that issue now we have healthcare professionals who have this specialty stationed largely within canada but starting around the world and and it's what needs to happen so that we can match the patient with the proper professional yeah amazing amazing and no one is to give you any work but have you got ambitions to try and get it onto educational programs and things in terms of that progression of of training because it's still it's still when i think great uh great training where i i studied down at the aecc um in bournemouth but very kind of chiropractic moving away from that but still very kind of passive that kind of approach and and they were started to do a lot more rehab which was great really insightful but Clearly, there's a there's a gap for this kind of postnatal care ambitions there. <laughs> I've thought about it. I actually just uh, the there's one chiropractic school within all of Canada, and and lucky for me, it's just about an hour away. And they contacted me to come do a talk there. So this level of care is definitely being noticed. People, especially once they get into practice, are recognizing that they don't feel as empowered as they could to provide the level of care that they want. So they're, they're reaching out. The, the impact has started to become global, certainly. Um, do I have ambitions of becoming a professor and a lecturer? <laughs> I love seeing my patients so much and I have two young kids at home, so that's not, not my aspirations, but I would love to see this level of care start to become part of the curriculum for all healthcare professionals who will be working with women which is everybody <laughs> yeah no amazing amazing and i think you know credit to you that uh, not only have you uh, identified the need and an issue there but you've taken action to to really look at the 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 ways of solving that problem and building that network to to grow it and reach a wider audience so it, it's absolutely fantastic hugely insightful some great content there for for the listeners to to take action today you know, which is fantastic. And of course, we'll share all the information, the links in the show notes for, regarding GroCo for any professionals listening that want to look at the uh, the courses and the content. I've been consuming a lot of the the videos and the, the free um, 
kind of uh, video content you've been putting out there, which has been which has been great and high value. So, look forward to following more information. Look forward to getting the podcast out there to 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 people so that we can do our little bit to share share your message. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, uh, Ali. It's been it's been great, and uh, look forward to to staying in touch and uh, and maybe get you back on at some some future point. Thanks so much, Ben. It's opportunities like this that truly do raise the standard of care for postnatal women. So thank you so much for having me on.